This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Women can be doctors. Did you know? Yeah, I, I've been hearing about this. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which is a show that I love. But I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season three, episode one of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and... As well as Gilmore Girls, those lazy, crazy, hazy days. I don't know if it's fair to say that we haven't seen these shows anymore. We've seen... Two seasons. Yeah. So now I pretty much know everything about Buffy, I think. I pretty much know everything about Gilmore Girls. Yeah? Show's pretty laid out at this point. A friend of mine recently started from the beginning, and I feel like so far does not like Buffy. They're only partway into season one, but I I do feel like Gilmore Girls does a better job of being like, this is about as good as this show will be earlier on. Well, to be fair to Buffy, it had like a half season Uh for its first season. Like, Gilmore Girls was like, hey, this is the regular world, so we're just introducing kind of a funky town. That's true. Buffy's like, hey, we got a lot of premises for you to accept first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, we have a lot of groundwork to lay down before we can even get to the drama. And I do think Gilmore Girls season one is not the best Gilmore Girls either, but I think it's season two and three isn't so different. Right. I mean, when Max Medina fell out of the picture, I stopped caring, but- Did you? No. (laughs) I had a dream about Spike. Yeah? Yeah. Were you pregnant with his twins? No. It wasn't sexy. Uh-huh. It was just like, I was going back to high school. Like it was my first day of senior year, which is weird because it's first day of senior year in Buffy. Well, vampires are into high school kids. Right. I don't know. I was annoyed that there were like freshmen by my locker, but then I was kind of complaining about that, talking to my friends. And Spike, I think, was just like one of my friends. Like he was behind me. And I was like, oh, this sucks, right? And I kind of like, I was kind of leaning on him though. So maybe it would have gotten sexy. Mm. But like high school sexy, you know? Like right. James Marsters is an older man hanging out with high school kids. Sexy. <laughs> anyway, did you have any dreams about any Gilmore girls? Uh, yeah, but it was Emily, mm. uh, which is weird because that's, she's just. The age thing. She's so much younger than Spike. And yeah. um, so it's a little weird that I was dreaming about her. Maybe this is too much of our lives now. Mm-hmm. Your friend who started watching Buffy, he said that he, <laughs> he tweeted at Joss Whedon, hey, can you have <laughs> Zack Snyder do a Snyder cut of the first season of Buffy so it's watchable? Yeah, he did do that. It's pretty funny. And Joss's Twitter handle is just at Joss. I didn't know you could have a four-letter Twitter handle. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I do have a show coming up this Thursday, May 6th at 9.30 probably. I'll yeah. put the link in the description and post on social media. But it's uh, just like Brian's show last month. It's with the Squirrel Theater. But it's the, the team that I direct. I'm not actually in it, but I, I helped the writers and actors along the way. So check that out if you're free. All right. Are we ready to start season three? I can't believe we're, we're doing this. Yeah, I know. I'm super pumped. So this week we started with Buffy. Stacy, can you tell us about Anne? Okay, so the summer has passed. Buffy still has not returned to Sunnydale. And in her absence, her friends have taken up the slaying duties. And Buffy's like trying to forget everything about her life as a vampire slayer. But she gets sucked back into demon slaying with an old friend and ends up coming back to Sunnydale. Yeah. All right, so it starts with Xander, Willow, 
and Oz in the graveyard doing some slang, kind of. They're, they're trying their best, but like they're not Buffy. And the vampire gets away. Also, they're like, we got to work on our puns and our catchphrases. That's like an equal part of this. As much as the strength and slang abilities, you got to have a witty thing to say. They kind of justify it, though, which I liked. Because they said it throws the monsters off because they're not expecting it. That's true. These vampires are dumb, though. You could probably say anything. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then we get a lot of exposition here. We now know that the summer has passed. School starts tomorrow, and Buffy's been gone all summer. And apparently Cordelia has been gone all summer, and Xander hasn't seen her or talked to her. That seems crazy to me. But it's also just weird they haven't, like, written letters or anything. Like, they don't know what each other's been up to at all. Yeah, I mean, it's a little weird, but this is pre-cell phone, and neither of them really seems like a letter-writing type. Yeah, I guess she was in Mexico, so maybe, yeah, maybe calling was not an option. Like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think it's that crazy. It does seem like they would have met up a night or two before school started. They're old enough to, like, drive. This is something I can suspend my disbelief for. I feel like it's possible she could have gotten home the day before school. Yeah, okay. Cut to Buffy. Once again, upset at the ocean. (laughs) And then who creeps up behind her? It's Angel. He's got his, like, arms around her. For a second, it was like a weird shot. I was like, what is this weird, like, we're like checking out Buffy's body shot? And then I was like, oh, there's hands. Okay, there was a reason for this. It's like very opening of Grease, like sexy beach fantasy. Yeah. And the Buffy's like, stay with me. And Angel's like, forever. That's the whole point. I'll never leave. Not even if you kill me. Now, I had said that I thought Angel was going to come back and that it was going to be in like a weird, haunting, Buffy sort of situation. Well, your impression had a little more ghost on it than I think. I mean, he's got his arms around her from behind. What's more ghost than that? Then they started making pottery and I was like, this is a bit much, guys. I don't know. Like what he said seems a little dark almost. So I'm not sure if this like angel ghost thing is going to be like cool or like tormenting for her. But definitely by what he said, I feel like we're going to see him again. But also keep in mind that Buffy has prophetic dreams oh so that means she's gonna meet angel on the beach sometime no but i mean we see that in this episode when she runs into lily and rich richie i think that's his name ricky ricky he says exactly what angel said yes you're right and that makes her like double take and that ropes her back into slang again true true but Buffy wakes up. This was a dream. And she's not in a beautiful beach house. She's in a shitty apartment in a shitty part of town of what I assume to be L.A. probably. It makes sense. That's where she would go. It is. And then we get a new spoilery opening credit sequence. I mean, it's not too spoilery. No, but I mean, like, Angel's in the credits, so I assume he's going to be in more than one episode. Mm-hmm. And we know that Oz is going to be blonde. <laughs> and probably that Oz is going to have a bigger role. He wasn't in the credits before. But Buffy's working in, like, an old-timey diner, getting her ass slapped. She's going by Anne now, a little name tag. And she waits on this, like, super poor couple that's in love. And the dude's, like, real dumb and thinks pie is healthy. And the woman looks familiar. You didn't think she looked familiar, did you? No, I didn't. But you were nudging me to be like, this lady looks familiar, right? Right? Like you do? I felt like I should be able to place her, but I didn't. You might not recognize the girl, but she seems to maybe recognize Buffy. But her boyfriend says the same thing Angel said in the dream, which kind of like perks Buffy's ears up. Mm -hmm. And he shows Buffy the tattoo that he had just gotten with his new girlfriend, Lily. That's like a forever tattoo of like the heart on each of their arms. And that's all super important. And if Buffy hadn't had that dream, she wouldn't have like turned her head back to see what this guy was talking about. Right. At the moment, you can tell Buffy's kind of like, you're making a mistake, girl. Like, love is not forever. Uh I found that out the hard way. She doesn't say that, but we could see it in her eyes. This girl's a mistake maker, though. Oh, for sure. 
And this boyfriend does not seem like a non-mistake maker either. Meanwhile, at school, the library is like super busy for some reason. First day of school, people are like, we're going to really start this year off right. We're going to read. And then Oz shows up, which Willow is taken aback by because they had made plans to meet after school at three because Oz, remember, was a senior. So he certainly must have graduated. But then he reveals he didn't graduate, but he should have gone to summer school and fixed that problem. But he reveals he didn't do that. So now he's just in school again, which Willow doesn't love. I don't buy this scene. Like, I, I I love Buffy the show, and I think the writing sometimes is really good. But I don't buy this stuff with Oz. Yeah, I mean, I think they just made a mistake in making him a senior. Well, I think they made it, made a mistake in the way they justified it, because he's been hanging out with Willow like slang. She's never been like, how's summer school going? Right. So he either lied about going to summer school to her, mm-hmm. or she never asked him about it. Or ask what he was going to do while she was at school. You know, like, what? Yeah. I just don't buy that this couple would not have talked about this. Before now. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a problem with him repeating the grade because he didn't pass. That's like a whatever they want to keep him in the show. Yeah, I mean, they clearly were like, oh, shoot. We did say he's a senior, but we want him in the show. And it's weird if he's just hanging around school if he's not in school. But the Willow thing doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, she would have asked. Yeah. Or and his plan was just to show up at school and break the news to her then. Yeah, that's all weird. Is she done teaching now? I don't know. Hopefully they found someone over the summer. There is a great line from Larry in this scene, though. I love it so much. Yeah. He's, like, talking about how awesome the year's going to be and all the teams are going to win games and stuff like that. And he's like, well, as long as we don't have as many mysterious deaths this year. Yeah, that was really funny. And it's funny because Gilmore kind of does something similar. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. But Xander and Cordelia are both separately super nervous about reuniting with each other. They keep asking Willow separately how their hair looks. But it sounds like they're it's going to be super hot when they see each other. Like, they're just going to, you know, be all over each other. They've been waiting so long for this. And then they meet up and they, like, barely have anything to say. And it's super awkward. Yeah. And Giles has been super busy trying to find Buffy all summer. He keeps getting tips. Who from? We're not exactly sure. But he, he gets another one. There's been some kids spotted messing around with vampires, and he's going to go look for her in, like, Oakland or something. The gang seems not so hopeful about this. Like, maybe they were the first time or two, but, like, it's never her. But Giles seems optimistic, I think. Back in L.A., Buffy is having some sad little soup in her sad little apartment, just, like, being sad. <laughs> Just thinking about all the sad times. This is her, like, her yearly tradition. She goes to L.A. and has, like, a mopey, angsty summer and then comes back. Yeah. So far, at least. I'm sure Xander's very excited for whatever dance she's going to give when she gets back. Yeah. (laughs) She goes on a walk through her neighborhood. There's, like, an old woman muttering, I'm no one. Cool, cool. And we see, like, a dude low-key passing out flyers to some struggling people. And then Buffy runs into the girl from the diner, Lily. And Lily's like, oh, you're Buffy, right? I don't know if you remember me, but I used to be in this, like, cult that worshipped vampires. Remember from the episode where Buffy's, like, friend came and tried to, like, betray her to cure his cancer? You guys remember. But then she went by some stupid name, like, Shondarell or something like that. It's a mushroom. Oh, yeah. Buffy's like, that's a mushroom. She's like, really? I just let people make decisions for me and stuff, so I wouldn't know. And she asked Buffy about the name Anne. Buffy says that's my middle name. And then she, like, weirdly asks Buffy if, like, she has any money so her and her boyfriend can go to some rave. I don't know. That whole conversation was really awkward. Buffy was just going to, like, give her the money to get rid of her, but she doesn't want to go. Buffy just wants to be alone with her soup and her thoughts. (laughs) And then this, like, old man kind of comes between them, also muttering that he's no one. And he just, like, gives them a look. And then he wanders out in the street, almost gets hit by a car. So Buffy, like saves him from getting hit by the car. By Buffy, I mean her stunt double, who's clearly wearing knee pads this whole time. 
I had to rewind it because when she falls on the ground after rolling off the car, you can clearly see them. She's wearing like pantyhose with knee pads underneath, but you can see them when she's like approaching the car too. Check it out. I mean, good for her knees, but like I could see him. And then we meet the flyer man who says his name is Ken. He's like this creepy youth pastor vibe dude. And he tells Buffy there's a lot of kids in this neighborhood like having a hard time. They all just kind of end up here. He's trying to help them out, you know, give them somewhere to go. Totally sounds like a cult. And we can tell that this blonde chick is for sure going to end up there because that's her vibe. And then some like Gilmore Girl music starts playing. It really sounds like the kind of like transition music that Gilmore Girls uses, but it fades to the bronze, and it's the singer at the bronze. The gang's all there, still super sad about Buffy, still super sad about how they're bad at slaying vampires, and then Xander has an aha moment to go back to their old method of using Cordelia as bait. So they're at the graveyard. Cordelia's complaining about being bait, but, like, she still went. She likes it. She likes to be bait. A lot of attention when you're bait. And she's still fighting with Xander. Xander has, like, created this narrative that she's, like, been hooking up with, like, pool boys all summer, even though they have not spoken about it. I don't know why he's suddenly worried about that. But then a vampire shows up, and Xander fights it. It's, like, on the ground on top of him, and Cordelia somehow falls on top of them, and Xander stabs the vampire, making the vampire between them disappear, and then they're just, like, mouth to mouth, and then their kiss epic music plays, and they just go at it. That was fun. I yeah. love their theme music. Yeah. Good callback. This scene had a couple fun things in it. One is that Cordelia's like, can't we use Willow as bait? Which is funny because then Willow does get attacked by the vampire. Yeah, she ends up being the bait. But also I loved when uh, Cordelia's like, you think I'm cheating? You're the one hooking up with Inca mummy girls. Yeah, I heard about her. <laughs> that was funny. And also I really liked when they take inconsequential episodes and like still reference them to be like, see, it, it happened. It wasn't just like a nothing episode, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So I liked that kind of world weaving stuff. Giles has not found Buffy in Oakland. He goes to talk to Joyce. He has to tell her that this latest lead ended up being nothing. And, you know, she's pretty bummed that her daughter's been missing all summer. Giles is like, don't blame yourself. And she's like, oh, I don't. I blame you. Snap. You have this whole relationship with her behind my back. And I'm like, no, 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 Joyce. He's been having a relationship with her, like, super in front of you. Yeah, I know. He's been coming to the hospital multiple times, and you're just like, thank you so much for, like, being so close to my daughter. I'm not going to ask why she would hang out with an adult man all the time. (laughs) I'm like, no, you had every opportunity to ask questions about this, and you didn't. Do you know how many times the school librarian has showed up in my house? No times? times. (laughs) Not once. If it happened once, my parents would be like, what was that about? If it happened twice, my parents would be like, your librarian probably shouldn't be here. My high school librarian was like the worst woman I've ever met. She was so nasty. Oh, yeah? She just was like grumpy. Like, I think no one went to the library at my school because they were afraid of her. Well, maybe her slayer died. Maybe. She was upset about it. Could be. All school librarians are watchers. Yeah, guys, keep that in mind. Like, if your school librarian is, like, in a bad mood, just, like, keep in mind that, like, their slayer might have died that day. You don't know. Their slayer might be in L.A. or something hiding out, and they're just, like, worried. You don't know why they're upset. Can women be watchers? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I think yes. I don't remember. But we don't meet any. I don't know. I don't know what determines someone is a... Genes, I guess? Didn't he say his family was watchers? Yeah, I I don't remember the specifics. There is more watcher lore that we will encounter, and I don't remember if there's women watchers or not. Okay. I think there are women watchers. I think there are. There was... 
was one time when Buffy was like ready to tell her mom about being a slayer and Giles was like, no, absolutely not. So in that one way, I guess he fucked up. But really, I'm putting some blame on Joyce here for like not paying attention. Yeah. And then he just kind of doesn't know what to say, but he's like, well, I didn't make her who she is. And Joyce is like, well, who is she? Cut to Buffy trying to figure out who she is. Lily comes to her for help. Her boyfriend has gone missing. She's like, we always go to this like blood donation place to donate blood for money. Maybe he's there. Or maybe they've seen him. So they go to look there. They got the same AIDS poster that's at the high school. And this doctor that's working there, she looks super familiar. And I think she's just one of those people that's in like every show. Like, I think she's in like some step-by-steps. That's what I know her from. But Ricky is not there. Or so the woman says. She has no idea where he is. And then for some reason, Buffy is just like going looking in an alley in the middle of the night. I don't really know why. But she finds this really old man on the ground, dead. He's drank some like drain cleaner, which is weird because we just watched Heathers and that happens in that movie. Right. She can tell it's Ricky though because of the tattoo. He's got the lily on his arm. So Bobby's got to break the news of Lily. Lily kind of blames Buffy for like bringing this shit with her. Yeah, I get it. I get why she would do that. You know, it's just kind of like, I didn't know about vampires. And, well, I don't know. I guess she did know about vampires before Buffy. So that actually doesn't make sense. Yeah. Maybe you just run into bad shit, Lily. But yeah, I mean, Cordelia's sort of had the same sentiment early on in their relationship, I think. Like, hey, a lot of weird stuff happens around you, Buffy. Yeah. So then Lily leaves, and she runs into Ken, the creepy guy with the flyers. And he's like, oh, Ricky's with us now. You should come with us now. And she's like, oh, yeah, I don't know what to do with my life unless a man tells me. Yeah, I know, right? So she goes to his home for lost souls. I don't know what it is. Buffy breaks into the blood place. Look who's sleuthing again. She just can't help herself. She loves this life. I thought that scene was pretty funny when the nurse shows up. Yeah, the nurse is like, what are you doing here? And Buffy's like, I'm just breaking into your stuff and going through your private files. No big deal. Knowing, like, what's this lady going to do? I can knock her out. She's like, don't do that. I'll call the cops. And Buffy just, like, pulls the phone off the wall. Yeah. And she, like, bullies this nurse into, like, telling her what's happening. I think she's a doctor. Women can be doctors. Did you know? Yeah, I, I've been hearing about this. I thought she was a nurse, maybe because she's a woman. But when I looked up the actress, it said she was a doctor. She's like, I don't know what they're doing. I just give them the names of the healthy ones. Meanwhile, Ken has taken Lily to the cleansing. He's, like, put her in this, like, sack robe and is, like, leading her to this, like, weird oozy pool of blackness. Meanwhile, Buffy has showed up at the front door of this place, like, confessing her sins. And she's not good at improv. She doesn't even try. She's just really... Giles should take an improv class with her, I think. That would be some fun training. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Giles would be bad at it, too. Yeah. Giles ain't gonna be good. I want that episode. Is that an episode? Yeah, there's a whole episode about them going to an improv workshop. Good. But Buffy gets past the guards, and Ken is about to put Lily into the ooze. Buffy shows up, and they all kind of fall through the ooze together, and it leads to just, like, a basement. And Ken breaks his fall on his face, which, like, knocks off the human mask he was wearing, and he's some kind of demon with a weird face. Yeah. And then we find out there's this whole, like, underground mill? I don't know what the fuck. It's like a labor camp? It's not underground. This is, like, maybe a different dimension or hell? Yeah, it's a different dimension. And he says, they, they say if- it's hell. And Buffy says, this isn't hell. And he's like, well, what's the difference? Yeah. The absence of hope is, is hell. Where they are exactly is unknown. 
the idea of this place is they get like young, able-bodied, lost, sold people to come here and like work. They say that time passes differently here. So like a hundred years here is just like a day on earth. And then when they're all used up from working, they send them back out to die. And that's the people that we saw, like the old people mumbling that they were no one. I sort of don't understand that though. Because I feel like why don't they just kill them when they're old? Yeah. But also, what are they working on? Like, what? there's like, it looks like a steel mill. There's like vats of fire. Right. What, what do these demons need made? It doesn't, I just, it, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Town, which is like a recent mm-hmm. Broadway musical we saw. I mean, I guess in my head it doesn't matter. It's just like, we, this is slave labor. I guess they could explore that, but it's sort of not the point of the episode. In Town, though, it's like a demon is keeping them there to build a wall, I think. I just was like, what do you need them to do? You're demons. Can't you just, like, magic things? I don't know. Do demons have magic? Some demons. But magic might not work in their reality. Anyway, Ken kind of indicates that this is some sort of hell. But, like, it does seem like you can leave if you're smart and strong enough, like Buffy. Not like Lily or Cellulon or whatever the fuck. She's, no way she's getting out of here by herself. When you say can leave, you mean it's possible. It's not like they do an evaluation and they're like, well, actually, you can go. Oh, right. I mean, Buffy obviously leaves, but he is shocked that she's able to leave. No one's ever left before. So they're getting a group of people ready to work. This guy's got like a real demony face and he's amping everybody up for work. He's like, who are you? No one. It's like a call and response thing. They seem to not mind. The way you said it was like, everyone's having a great time. It's, it's a like party. No one, yeah. If you don't respond, no one, they might beat you up. But then he asked Buffy who she is. And I knew she was going to say it. Brian, what'd she say? She says, I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, you are, girl. And then she beats the shit out of everybody. Yeah, she fights a bunch of demons. And she tells like Lily to help the others escape. Well, she like throws around this big ninja star thing that she found. I don't know what that is. It's not a ninja star. It's a big ninja star. <laughs> it's a blade. Star. It's like a... It's like a little sword dagger thing. Or like a big ninja star. Okay, sure. (laughs) It's a big ninja star. This fight looks pretty good. I thought they did a good job cutting between what I assumed to be was her stunt double Mm -hmm. and her... Like her hair and her clothes hid her knee pads this time. (laughs) Yeah. It, It looked like it could be her. Turns out Ken's not so tough. He's, like I said, shocked that Buffy's able to fight back. And he's, like, going to make an example out of Lily by, like, slicing her throat. He's about to give this big speech, and she just, like, pushes him down off the balcony. Yeah. And then as they're all escaping, Buffy, like, lifts up this, like, hell gate that everyone goes under, which seems like hard work even for her. She's like, I'm going to feel this for a week. But then after everyone escapes, the gate falls and, like, punctures Ken's calves. I fucking hate Ken. He's like a Pete Holmes demon. (laughs) And then she does, like, some weird Gandhi joke that, like, seemed like it was going to go way better than it did. It was, like, a setup, but not a punchline. At first, I hated this, but I'm thinking about it, and I, I maybe I'm looking at it wrong. Because at the beginning of the episode, they set up, like, Buffy's real good at puns. Maybe this is supposed to be, like, a misdirect. Like, she's going to do a funny pun or something, and mm-hmm. she just, like, doesn't. Yeah. I still don't think it was, like, good. Like, I'm kind of like, what? It's dumb. And then it ends with Buffy basically giving her life to Lily. Her apartment, her job. She even asks if she can take the name Anne. And she's like, oh, I'm so worried this isn't going to go great. I'm just not great at taking care of myself. I'm like, yeah, it's not. There's no way you don't end up in some other cult, like, tomorrow. Yeah. Do we see her again? You don't want to tell me. If she is, it's going to be in a cult. I have nothing to say. I don't have high hopes for this woman. And then Buffy goes home. Like, home home. She goes to her house. I don't know if she knocks, but Joyce, like, sees her at the door. And they hug. I thought it was kind of cool, the whole episode, because, like, Buffy did all this on her own with no Giles, Mm -hmm. no Xander reading books, no Willow making scapulas. 
She like did no all the No Cordelia being bait. Well, Lily was maybe bait. Yeah, I mean she had Lily, but like what good is Lily? Um but yeah, it's just she did all the parts by herself, which is kind of yeah. cool. So Brian, do you think this was a good episode? I did. I think it was a good one. Yeah. Um there's things about it that I thought were a little silly, but um overall I think it was a pretty good episode. Like I we poked holes in some some things, but it was overall pretty good. I think it was moving the plot along, the drama and little storylines into personal storylines were were moving ahead. I liked it. It also was very expositional, but that's to be expected of any, you know, season opener. It's yeah. Kind of like, where have you been for the last three months? Here's everything. Well, the line where uh, Willow was like, so you guys excited for the first day of school tomorrow? And Xander had like forgotten. Like, you don't just forget that tomorrow's the first day of school. Yeah. It's like on your mind. Especially if that's when you're going to see your girlfriend. Yeah, the Xander Cordelia stuff bugged me a little bit. It just seemed like invented drama. But then I did like the payoff, especially the way the vampire disappeared and their music played was really yeah. fun. And they also didn't spend forever on it, so... No, like really most of the episode was dedicated to the L.A. story. Yeah. And I I don't know. I really hated that guy, but it's not. I would have been like upset if that guy was the season villain. So I'm glad he's kind of, I don't know if he's dead, but it seems like he's not going to be in every episode at least. No, we have a much better season villain. I'm so pumped for season three's villain. Is it the ghost of Angel? It's the ghost of Angel. Is it Joyce wanting to go on every mission with Buffy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Her saboteur. It's just every episode Joyce tells someone she blames them. That's (laughs) Every episode going forward. Joyce, you're not in the gang. She's like, Oz is there. And she's like, I blame you, Oz. What? There's some stuff set up in this episode that's sort of important for the season mm-hmm. that uh, isn't like super obvious maybe on your first viewing. And I don't really want to discuss it for fear of spoilers. But I do think it's um, good writing. And it reminds me of in season two how they set stuff up in the first episode that they paid off in the season finale. Okay. That means nothing to me. But we'll I'll remember that you said this and we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was fun. It was a good opener. It really made me, like, excited for season three, because it's just like, I don't know, it just, uh, I li- it was like being with friends again. Yeah. Not the show friends, it's like hanging out with friends. And kind of fun fact, we sort of binged the end of season two, so it had actually been a while since we watched it. Mm-hmm. We watched, like, kind of like three episodes in a row and did yeah. a podcast after each. Yeah. That being said, some of the exposition in both shows was, like, very heavy-handed, but I think if you actually had gone three months without seeing the episode, it maybe would be helpful, and also keeping in mind that, like someone might just be starting at this point in the show and yeah. needs a little bit of an idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 3, Episode 1, The Honeymoon's Over... Prue and Phoebe are wondering if Piper will ever return from up there with Leo, whilst the sisters are involved in a court case that is crawling with demons. (laughs) Right, okay. What is up there? Well, Leo's the dog. Yes. And the honeymoon's over. I'm guessing she married Leo the dog? Yeah, I think that happened off screen. Must have been, because we didn't talk about it last week. Yeah, it wasn't even suggested last week. So very low-key wedding that happened over the summer. Yeah. It's it's to a dog. You don't want to, like, invite people to that. Yeah, the groom's a dog? Okay, so Piper and Leo are up there. In the cupboard, I'm guessing. You think they're fucking in Andy's cupboard? Yeah. And Andy's just in there? Andy didn't stay around after she married Leo. Well, Andy's got to marry which Whichever one of them gets married last. Well, so. he doesn't have to hang around. I guess. Where is he going to go? He's so little. To the bathroom cupboard? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. He's just in a different cupboard. Yeah, he's just moving. Okay, why, why are they fucking in his cupboard? They're human people. No, one's a human. <laughs> <laughs> 
One's a dog. But they're big. Well, I'm guessing that they moved into the attic, and they just have really, really loud sex up there, and they're always just, like, pointing up to, like, oh, it looks like they're up there. Yeah, really loud human dog sex. Yeah, and it's a lot, and they're like, I wish I wasn't hearing this, because it's, like, not cool. I want to make it clear that it's not as weird as you think, because Leo is a dog, but he can speak, like, say words. Okay, so that makes the sex less weird? Well, I mean, like, it's like Salem the cat. That would make the sex less weird? Because he's, like, a human soul trapped in a dog. You know what I mean? It's not like just like a dog that can't speak or think for itself. I mean, okay, you're right. It's less weird in that the dog can consent. Mm-hmm, exactly. But if you're hearing it from the attic, you're not like, that sounds not weird to me. Yeah, he, I mean, he makes dog sounds when they have sex. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so last season we had a cliffhanger where Prue maybe had lost her powers because right. she went ahead with the wish. Right, but she's keeping it secret, I'm guessing. Yeah, okay, so Prue... Doesn't have powers. No. Piper has powers, but doesn't want them. She nope. just wants to have, I'm just married to this dog sex. Right. We're going to get canceled by someone for this. Oh, for sure. We're just doing what IMDb says, guys. Yeah. It's not our fault. I wish this wasn't what really happened on the show, but it is. And meanwhile, the sisters are involved with a court case that's crawling with demons. Yeah. So what do you think that's about? Well, I think it's just like, uh, you know, it's a zoning thing. <laughs> okay. Their neighbor's mad because they want to put a fence up. Yeah, it's probably not related to anything else we've talked no, about. No, and like, at first they're like, oh. Uh, maybe we're being too mean to our neighbors, but then they look over and it's like Al Pacino, and he's like, "Oh, is that like a demon, Al Pacino?" What, what their neighbor is a demon, Al Pacino? Yeah. Okay, and and there's other demons in the court too. Yeah, yeah, he's got like a whole bunch of them. He brings other demons. Well, he's the devil, so Al Pacino's the devil. Yeah, and lives next to them, mm-hmm. and he's mad at them for putting up a fence. Yeah, it's like in his. He thinks it's on his side of the property line. But they had to put up a fence to keep Piper's husband in. Well, yes, of course, and they want to let him have full yard capabilities as a husband, you know. Brian, I really thought season three was going to be easier, but I think it won't be. Well, you know when you dig a hole and... (laughs) Yeah, like when you're a dog. And you're stuck in your uh, hole with your dog, bride, or groom, and you're just like, I guess we're here. Let's just keep digging. That's the way out. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm excited for Leo and Piper. They have a lot of... um, a lot of things ahead of them, yeah. and I hope babies aren't one of them. It's weird that they don't mention the Al Pacinos in this episode. I know. Usually they mention when <laughs> random people we've never heard of are in an episode. Yeah. Well, good job, Brian. This mm-hmm. was a good one. Yeah. I mean, this is what happened. Exactly. All right. This has been... Meanwhile, Uncharted. And then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about those lazy, hazy, crazy days. So this episode is about Rory coming home from her D.C. trip and facing the consequences slash trying to figure out what to do with her feelings for Jess, and also about Lorelai telling her parents about her situation with Christopher. Mm-hmm. So pretty much it's just like a cleanup of the cliffhanger of season two. Sure. So the episode opens with a dream. Lorelai's on a beach, and Luke comes up behind her with his arms. So you're joking right now, but Lorelai is wearing like a pink nightgown. Yeah. Buffy's wearing basically the same dress. Yeah. It's very similar. It's super weird that this both start with our heroine like in a pink nightie with like a male love interest. In their dream, yeah. Right? I mean, Buffy started a little before that, but absolutely right, yeah. Both the first time we see mm-hmm. Buffy is that, though. So in the dream, Lorelai wakes up to a million alarm clocks, which is like, she needs that, honestly. There's plenty of episodes that are about her sleeping in. Mm-hmm. And it's because Luke was trying to be funny and set up a bunch of alarm clocks. Immediately, there's something weird. They're like very, like, why is he over there in the morning? Mm-hmm. And he's 
these they seem very close and he's made her breakfast and he hid her coffee and replaced it with decaf but she could tell from the smell which is a real thing you can do by the way really I thought that was bullshit. No, that's a real thing. It's legitimately, if you're addicted to caffeine, you can tell, like by smell. Do you think we could? I don't know. I suspect we probably could if we tried. Interesting. And then she kisses Luke. Yep, kisses him. A couple of times. Yeah, and then he's all like, I don't want you drinking caffeine because you're pregnant with twins and I don't want them to be malformed. And we're like, what, 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 At this point, Brian's like, is this season three? Do we skip ahead? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, is this like the season five opener? Like, what is happening right now? But then she wakes up. It was all a dream. She calls Rory, who's in D.C., and she's like, interpret my dream. And Rory's all like, well, it means that you want to sleep with Luke. And she's like, that's not what it is. And I'm like, well, like a little bit. Yeah. And Rory's like, well, probably it's you're upset because Christopher is having your kids and you wish you were having his kids instead. No, you're upset because (laughs) Christopher's pregnant. (laughs) Rory's like, you're upset because Christopher's girlfriend is having twins and you wish you were the one who was having a baby with Christopher right now. She's not having twins, just to be clear. Well, I mean, she's pregnant. I guess we don't know. That's right. They haven't announced that it's twins. I want to know if Lorelai's dreams are prophetic as well. Yes, they are. Okay. So we see Rory is in her, like, D.C. hotel room, dorm. I don't know where they're staying. Yeah, I don't know. She's in the same room with Paris, who's having, like, funny dreams. This episode was a little bit like Murphy Brown, I felt like. It was just, like, plot, 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 and then they just sort of say political things that are happening, buzzwords. Oh, okay. Like, Bill Maher got canceled for politically incorrect. Like, okay, sure. And then Paris is just, like, saying political phrases like uh, scandals. Oh, yeah. She's talking about Monica Lewinsky in her dream. Yeah. And she says a couple other ones, too. I don't remember Murphy Brown. Was that part of Murphy Brown? I mean, I remember the show, but I don't remember. That was just a criticism of the show, is that it was just, like, whatever was happening in the episode, and they would just drop a bunch of political... Was it a news show? They were journalists of some sort? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's the way that Gilmore Girls just talks about pop culture, but their pop culture references were all political. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were all political. I didn't watch the sh- I did watch the show, but not like intensely. In the background, Rory's laptop is definitely open. Then Rory gets up and walks over to her desk where her computer is close. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah. You see, she's got a bunch of letters from Dean, which she sort of like brushes aside, and we see that she's writing a letter to Jess. All she has so far is Dear Jess. And I'm immediately like, oh, come on, girl. Maybe it's a Dear Jess like a Dear John. It, I doubt it. You don't know. Well, we know pretty quick that it's not what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Lorelai is still on the outs with Luke. I guess all summer she hasn't been going to his coffee shop. So she is once again at Suki's for breakfast. I, I think this is ridiculous. I mean, she paying Suki? This is a lot of money. I mean, was she paying Luke? She was paying Luke sometimes. Right. It's kind of ridiculous. I just like went to a friend's house and expected them to cook for me all the time. I kind of buy that Suki probably makes a giant breakfast every morning anyway. <laughs> sure. But anyway, uh, she's over there and Suki and Jackson are having like a, like not really a fight, just like a disagreement. She wants to butch up the house a little bit for him because she says he's going to resent her because it's too feminine. And he's all like, it's fine. It's whatever. I like all the frilly stuff because I'm gay. I thought that was actually super funny. <laughs> well, that's funny. We want, we're like, is it offensive? I don't think so, though. It wasn't like he was being pejorative. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. yeah. But this is like their whole arc for this episode. She ignores the fact that he tells her, hey, I'm fine. It doesn't bother me. And she's like, well, you know, I know better than him. So she decides to butch up the place by painting it, but also by buying like a million, I don't know, like. Taxidermy? Yeah. Situations? Like stuff you would just like fill like a cabin with. Yeah, like a lodge. Yeah. Like antlers and fish and like a life-size bear. There's a giant bear. (laughs) I did like the color of the wall, though. That was a good call. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't barely see it. Barely. And it didn't mean barely. <laughs> just, damn it. Didn't mean to say it. But uh, later in the episode, when we revisit them, 
we see that he's pissed. And I would be too, because she's like super overboard about it. I feel like that was actually a little bit silly writing. I think she should have just bought like one bear and that would have been enough for the same plot line and it would have been believable but she bought like I mean those are thousands of dollars worth of stuff probably but then what is he just mad that she bought one bear yeah I mean he could just be like this is ridiculous I didn't want this it also could have just been like she did a good job and he did like it I guess you were right I do like this more (laughs) that would have been nice yeah but they have a big fight about it and then later we see them like pushing the bear out which is funny yeah when Lorelai leaves Suki's we see that the town is setting up for another one of its like batshit crazy events I don't know, whatever festival it is this week. Yeah, he said the name of it. I I don't know. It's just like the end of summer festival, maybe? But we see that Taylor Dosey has broken his leg and he's in a wheelchair. And you pointed out that you think the actor broke his leg, probably. I have no idea. It just seems like a weird choice otherwise. Yeah, because they didn't really use it that much. Maybe they do in the next couple episodes. I don't know. but Yeah, like why do that? It was kind of funny when Lorelai sort of had to like jog to keep up with him. But right. Other than that, it didn't really serve much purpose. Yeah, I'm guessing he just broke. You think you're probably right when you're guess. Back in D.C., Paris is, like, bothering every senator of every party. It's a bipartisan effort. She's just, like, <laughs> talking the ear out of each of them. And there's a funny, there's, like, a Republican congressman that, like, is actively trying to avoid her because she's crazy. Yeah, she mentions, like, every person I talk to, I catch right before they have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And then we see someone, like, going back into the bathroom to avoid her. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's a real congressperson from the time. I don't know. I In the opening credits, they had, like, congressman so-and-so. Oh, Probably. But she's in her element here. And this, like, attractive guy comes out and is like, hey, we're going to have this debate. We're going to, we've been paired together. We're going to crush it. And Paris is like, yeah, we're both the best. And he's like, we should just plan on having a victory dinner tonight. She's like, cool, cool. Sounds right. And then Rory comes over after he leaves and is like, wow, you're going on a date tonight. And Paris is like, what do you mean date? We're just having a victory dinner. And she's like, no, that guy was asking you out. And Paris is like, what? Because she doesn't understand how humans interact, you know? Mm -hmm. That's how she was programmed by the scientists who made her. Right. Later that night at their dorm room, wherever they are, Paris is, like, getting ready for the day, and she's, like, freaking out. She's like, you know, this guy's not going to like me. He's probably, like, a loser. That's the only kind of person that would like me. Like, a cool guy would have red zaggots and know exactly where to take me. This guy's probably going to wing it. She's flipping out. She's having, like, a panic attack. And Rory's, like, trying to take care of her and, like, reassure her and, like, give her, like, a sweater to wear. But this whole scene really serves as an exposition device. Yes. Because the whole scene is Rory talking about, like, people want to date people who are into the same things they are, read the same books, but also are unpredictable, that you can't understand everything they do. There's something exciting about not knowing what they're going to do. And we're like, oh, okay, right. Like, you love Jess, and you don't love Dean. Right. Dean's boring. In fact, the scene starts with her on the phone with Dean. And she's like, oh, I'm excited to see you. And he's like, yeah, I'm excited to see you too. Don't dye your hair because I think you're perfect the way you are. And he ends the phone call. This is the important part. He ends the phone call by saying, I love you. And at this moment, Paris like starts to have her freak out. And Rory says something to Paris and then turns back to the phone and says, you know, Paris is freaking out. I got to go. Bye. She doesn't say I love you back. Right. Which 100% intentional. Immediately isn't like crazy because she was distracted by Paris. But like, what would she have said? She looked like she didn't want to say I love you too. Right. But we know the writers intentionally did that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's very clear. Then she gets up and starts telling Paris about like, you know, sometimes your boyfriend's like a boring old dude who you're not into who's lost too much weight between seasons. Yeah, what happened to Dean? Yeah, I don't he know. He got real big between one and two and they made him smaller Yeah, now. they were like, you need to fast all summer. You're getting too big, Dean. Every episode you grow. Yeah, he is. he's lost a lot of weight. He just looks really thin. Maybe it's the worry about Jess, you Maybe. know? 
But her not saying she loves him, obviously huge. Then she starts talking to Paris about everything, and it's just like, okay, we get it. You love Jess, writers. We get what's happening. But then Paris's date shows up. His name's Jamie, by the way. Yeah, it's silly, but he's all like, hey, I got us reservations at this really good restaurant. Well, I hear it's good. That's what Zagat says anyway. So, of course, Paris is like, oh, my God. Yeah, he did what she was worried he wouldn't do. Yeah. It's going great for her. And he even remembered to close the door she didn't close. That was weird. Yeah, who doesn't close <laughs> their own door behind them? Also, she made Rory hide in the closet. <laughs> yeah, because Rory's so hot that how could he choose Paris if Rory's in there looking so dateable? Even though he could have chosen Rory all summer. Yeah. I don't, but Rory takes like a whole set of homework in there too. Like she's got to stay in there for like 30 minutes when it's going to be like two. Well, she knows that Paris leaves the door open, I guess. I guess. You know, so she's like, who knows how long I'll be visible. But Rory goes back to her Jess letter writing. Yeah, we don't know what she's writing, but I'm sure it's not, I don't love you, Jess. Kirk is in this episode, of course. He's now in the credits. Oh, yeah. So we know he's just going to be in every episode again. He's the Oz. <laughs> yeah, he's the Oz. We liked him. Yeah, uh, so he actually, he failed. Uh, I bet Kirk failed a grade or two. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Kirk shows up at the end where Lorelai's working and is trying to give her a bunch of lotions and like shampoos and stuff. It's like his own brand called Hay There because he studied cows. Because cows don't wrinkle. Yeah. The thing about Kirk is I would say he bats like 65, 70% as far as if the scenes with him are funny. Okay. And this one I think it was funny. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's never like, oh, this scene sucks. But it, sometimes it's just like, eh, it's not that funny. But sometimes it really is. I liked this one. <laughs> it's just like, I've done extensive research on cows. Yeah. It's hay. They eat hay. And they're like, don't they eat grass, though? He's like, yeah, but you try to <laughs> name something grass there. Lorelai tells him, well, you're not interested. We already have lotion. Well, he gives her a bunch of free product. Yeah. Half like forces on her because he just like leaves that on the counter. That's important because later in the episode, and this is funny, he comes up to her and is like, you can't use any of that stuff. It's an EPA hazard. <laughs> it might be sentient. It like reacts badly to air and light and <laughs> yeah. movement. To movement. That was funny. So good. Kirk, you, you scored in this episode. It was funny. He's so skinny too. He's very narrow shouldered. Yeah. There's like maybe a weird like thinner curse like subplot going on in this episode that Could I'm not be. aware of. People um, don't get enough vegetables this summer. Maybe Dean used some of that hay there and so like it's Ooh. having like an adverse effect on him. I don't know. While Lorelai's working, Emily calls. Of course, she always calls while Lorelai's working and Lorelai lies. She says, hey, Rory's not going to get back till tomorrow so she won't be there tonight. It'll be just me. Of course, Emily's confused because she was sure Lo- Rory was coming back early but she's also like, okay, but you know, let Christopher know because last season we ended with Lorelai telling her mother that like her and Christopher for essentially we're going to get back together. Yeah, so this just lets us know. Emily don't know yet. Emily's also pissed because they just got back from their summer in Martha's Vineyard and she like expected Lorelai to call when they got home as soon as they got home even though Lorelai didn't know when they were going to be home. It's a whole thing. When Rory comes home, Lorelai meets her at the airport. Super excited to see each other. Lorelai's bought her like a million airport things. I kind of didn't understand this. I'm like, how much money did you spend on stuff that your daughter clearly doesn't want? Yeah, like Hartford, Connecticut shot glasses. If you did that for me, even as a joke, I'd be like, are you okay, Stace? Yeah. Lorelai tries to be really cool. She's like, hey, I lied to my mom saying that you're going to come in tomorrow so you can spend tonight with Dean. Because of course, I understand that you probably want to see Dean right away. Like you haven't seen him all summer. And she pushes Dean hard this episode, like super hard. And every time Rory does something that's clearly like her wanting to see Jess, she's like, why would you do that? 
Yeah. Like, they're going to go to this festival where it's clear Rory thinks she might see Jess. So she's, like, trying to look nice. Yeah, and you can tell her mom knows. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, why do you want to get dressed? You have time to dress for Dean later. Yeah. Dean. It's clear that Rory doesn't even want to see Dean. She doesn't want to confront those feelings yet. Yeah. Because she doesn't, she wanted to go to the dinner. She was like, oh, mom, you didn't have to cancel dinner. You didn't have to lie to mom, your mother. And Laura's like, no, I did it for you. And Rory's all like, oh, okay, good, great. Awesome. Love to see Dean in his stupid, thin body. <laughs> what happened is that Rory uh, said out loud on a wishing star that she hopes that he fades to nothing. And so that's what's <laughs> happening. Maybe he burned too many calories writing all those letters. That's what it was. We also find out that both of them, Lorelai and Rory, are avoiding talking to Christopher. He leaves a voicemail on their answering machine that's like, come on, just call me. Please call me. We talked about this, and I think we disagreed. Part of me thinks that, like, I don't know why Rory wouldn't call Christopher, because it's like, Christopher technically hasn't done anything wrong. No, not at all. Like, they're obviously in, a, like, an emotional place right now where it's shitty, and I totally understand why Lorelai just, like, can't bring herself to talk to him right now. Like, I get that. Even if it's not his fault, like, she just can't. But, like, Rory should be able to, I feel like. They suggest, like, it's solidarity, but you would only have solidarity if, like, he did something wrong. I guess I just, I get that Rory is going to side with her mother in pretty much any situation. But I think her mother would even admit that it isn't like Christopher did something wrong and I'm punishing him. And I don't think Rory is shunning her dad because she's punishing him. I think she just also thinks it would be awkward to like talk to him when like Lorelai isn't. And then she's got this weird, I've got information about dad that you don't want to have. She's just like almost forced to choose sides, even though Lorelai would say she's not. Part of me feels bad for Christopher because it's like, well, he's being punished. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't do anything wrong. He's trying to do the right... I mean, he's in a no-win situation, you know? Yeah, this is bad for everybody. So now it's festival time. This is where the title of the show comes in. Because there's this big band that Taylor's gotten from New York, but it's just like a nine-piece barbershop quartet that's singing the same song on repeat about the lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. Yeah, just over and over and over and over again. This is where Kirk approaches Lorelai about the lotion being bad. Right. And then she calls out the town for being weird. She says to Rory, like, is it just me or is this town very weird? This reminded me a lot of the Larry line. Yes. Where it's like, we're calling out the fact that this show's based on a weird, funny premise. <laughs> But also, Rory, who looks gorgeous in her dress that she's clearly wearing for Jess, she sees Jess. She's, like, clearly looking for Jess the whole time. Yeah. And she sees him making out hard with some girl against a tree. Yeah, like hands in pockets. I remember that. You never put your hands in my pockets anymore. I'll put my hands in your pockets. I maybe just haven't worn pants with pockets for about a year. Well, I mean, we haven't done any, like, hardcore tree kissing in a while. I know. I think it's just because of the lockdown. We need to get outside, find a tree, and make out very publicly. <laughs> I'm down. But uh, <laughs> Let us know if you want to see that. <laughs> and then we'll tell you where we'll be. Yeah. Uh, this is getting weird. I just don't feel like I remember that. Like the hand, the slip in the pocket. Yeah, I remember. I remember doing this. Her pants were very time period specific too. Yeah. We don't of, see this woman's face. No, we don't. But I told you Jess was going to end up with another woman and it's going to prevent Rory from hooking up with him. You don't know that he didn't just meet this woman at this festival. Sure, that's true. Laura had a funny joke about like, oh, I guess he's got what I did this summer nailed down or something like that. <laughs> Lorelai starts making fun of him a little bit, but, like, Rory's not having it. Rory's upset, and Lorelai's like, oh, you're upset. And I was a little annoyed with Lorelai because she could tell her daughter was upset and was still, like, giving her a hard time. 
Yeah. She's like, you look like my mother. That's how I can tell you're upset. Which Rory, that wasn't the right thing to say. That no. made Rory more mad. So they have a fight. Well, I mean, it's revealed here that Lorelai did not know what happened at Suki's wedding. Yeah, Rory just, once again, very exposition heavy. She just, like, tells her everything. Like, we kissed at the wedding. He was there, didn't tell you. Lorelai's like, well, who kissed who? And she's like, well, I kissed him. So I get why Lorelai's upset. Because, like, yeah. Lorelai shared her wedding goss, but clearly Rory hasn't. Right. Also, Lorelai's upset because it's like, well, you're in a committed relationship and you cheated on your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not treating Dean very well. I don't think Dean would love that news. Right. I mean, Lorelai's kind of good in this scene because she's like, listen, like, if you want to be with Jess... Fine, you know, I'll cheerlead you on that. But uh-huh. you need to break up with Dean then. Yeah. Like, that's not fair to Dean. Dean built you a car, girl. She doesn't say that, but I'm saying that. Yeah, she's more just mad that Rory's, like, being indecisive and, like, leading Dean on than she is about her wanting to be with Jess, potentially. Right, exactly. And Which she, I think is a fair position to have. Yeah. She's even like, I don't worry about that girl. I'm sure he'll, like, leave her for you. If you want to be with Jess, just, like, go tell him. Yeah, I mean, she obviously hates Jess. <laughs> She's, she's mad at her daughter. And so they have a big fight about it. I have to side with Lorelai. Yeah. Rory's disappointed because she assumed, like, Jess came back to Stars Hollow for her. That's what she assumes. Yeah. Which I assume as well, too. I assume but. that, too. So maybe it is shitty that he, like, didn't wait for her. It's not like she was, like, making out with Dean all summer, so he found something else to do. I'm sure we're going to find out what Jess's rationale was. I doubt it was just, like, I don't really care about you. I'm guessing it's because she didn't break up with Dean, and so he's doing this to get back at her. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they haven't talked since she didn't write that letter. Yeah, I wonder if he even wrote her a letter or something like that and she didn't get back to him. That's what I'm guessing. And then Dean's back early. He reveals his weird little body. And <laughs> his weird, tall, thin body. <laughs> and Rory's like, I'm so happy to see you. He's like, I'm happy to see you too. But then there's a huge gust of wind and he's gone. <laughs> Lorelai kind of leaves mad and those two, I guess, have to deal with their feelings. So it's Friday night dinner. Lorelai's late. I feel like both her parents roast her pretty good yeah <laughs> emily's like it's no problem that's why the oven has a warm set <laughs> <laughs> and then richard asks what she wants to drink she's like i'll just have anything he's like lorelei we can't read your mind what do you want we have everything she's like fine i'll take a jägermeister and a jello shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny I really liked how pleased Richard was with his own joke when he comes down the stairs and makes fun of Lorelai always being um, late. Yeah. What did he say? Like she has a bad timepiece or yeah, something? Yeah, something about her watch. Yeah, but I, it, it wasn't the joke that was funny. It was just like he was clearly so pleased with his little joke. <laughs> but they're in a good mood despite her being late because, of course, they think, hey, we finally got what we always wanted. Who cares? She's with Christopher. Uh, and they start bringing up Christopher and she has to tell them. She just says it all. I'm not with Christopher. It's not happening. She kind of is vague about it at first. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this again. Some dumb excuse. I want to know why, Emily demands. And so she tells him. And they're both upset, but they disagree. Like, And, and I think this is good kind of telling the viewer a little bit of the, the problem. Again, exposition, but done well. Yeah. Where Emily's like, he should be with you. You're his family. But Richard explaining the other point of view, where it's like, well, he has a new family now. And what's he going to do? Abandon that one? Really, Richard's kind of shitting on Lorelai here. He's like defending Christopher. Like, Christopher does what's right. He did what was right back then. And Lorelai always, you know, refuses help and always wants to do things her way. Right. I I do want to take a stance here to say that I don't agree with Richard. And he's saying the right thing is to marry the person. We don't know that that's what Christopher's going to do. And I don't know that that's the right thing to do, but that's Richard's point of view because yeah. he's old school like that. That is Richard's point. I mean, you could argue that that is a good thing to do, but like if Sherry's a 
nightmare person, you know? Like, why would he marry her? Yeah, I'm just saying that, like, I think Lorelai would say that, no, getting married isn't always the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas that's Richard's, like, that's what you do. If you get pregnant. So this all turns into like more of a fight between Emily and Richard. Lorelai just like ducks out. <laughs> she's just like, I'm out. Yeah, she just leaves. I feel like that'll have, I mean, it's not the first time she just left Friday night dinner. Oh, you think that's going to have consequences? No, that time she left through the bedroom window didn't really have consequences. Yeah. Yeah, but Emily and Richard are just like very angry with each other. They've sort of set up that when Emily and Richard are fighting, they don't notice what's going on around them. Yeah. So Lorelai leaves. This is when she sees Suki and... <laughs> Jackson wheeling out the giant bear. But she just, like, is very sad doing one of her sad night walks. And she just walks over to Luke's and, like, goes inside. And he's like, you know, we're closed. And she's like, it's not me. Can I just be a new customer? Just like Buffy, she invents a new character. Yeah, her name's (laughs) Mimi. Mimi. She pours herself some coffee. She's essentially, you can just tell she's at her wit's end and Luke can pick it up. And she just tells Luke everything. Once again, giving us more information, exposition-wise. But it's done well. Yeah, I wonder if Luke knew any of this. Maybe someone told him. I mean, if Miss Patty knows, then he knows. That's true. But he kind of didn't act like he was hearing it for the first time. I don't know. He, obviously, he, like, breaks and, like, throws her a donut. Yeah. She's like, I'm not hungry, which I'm surprised because she was at Friday night dinner for all of two seconds. And she did not eat. Yeah. And she's always hungry. And he's like, oh, you're not hungry now, but you'll be hungry later, which she is later. And then he says, come again, Mimi. Yeah. He doesn't seem happy. But it does seem like he's letting her know she can come back to the diner. Yeah. I'm guessing Suki called and was like, I don't have the money to keep this. <laughs> can you please back. make up with Lorelai? And when she goes home, she talks to Rory and she apologizes. She was like, you know, I didn't mean to make you feel bad. I was just upset about stuff. And Rory's like, no, I hear, I heard your points and you were right. Like, I'm not treating Dean right. And I've decided to, like, start treating Dean right and just focus on Dean. Of course, though, I'm like, this isn't some moral decision you've come to. You just realize you're not going to be with Jess. Yeah, and you'd probably rather be with someone. Yeah, I, honestly, I think that's what it is. Lorelai's even like, you can be with Jess if you want. Like, I'll figure it out. Exactly. And Rory's like, no, no, I'd rather just not deal with any of that. This These turns with Rory this season are so interesting, man. Her season being, three? <laughs> no. Season two, yeah. Yeah, season two and, like, season three of... Because she was always the moral compass. And, like, now she's clearly not sure what to do or is struggling with the morality in this. Mm-hmm. As we all do, you know? It's it's gray area, murky waters stuff. And then the episode ends with an explosion. They all die. And it's Kirk's bottle of goo. Yeah. It comes out and replaces them with goo body doubles. So season three... Totally different characters. It ends with them eating the donut. Yeah. Then Lorelai eats the donut, showing us that Luke gets her, I think, right? Yeah, because she was like, give me the donut. I am hungry. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, just kind of maybe saying she feels better about things with Luke. I think it was like trying to show us that like Luke is her soulmate. Because I think we're going to explore Luke this season. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. So, uh, Stacey, do you think this is a good episode? I do. Yeah. You're right. The Suki Jackson thing was maybe weird. But it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. Well, it didn't bother me. It just wasn't funny to me because it was so absurd, but not not funny enough. You're right. They were laying on the, like the Rory likes Jess stuff a little thick for our taste. But again, it had been three months, so they're just like telling everyone where we stand with all this. The Friday night dinner fight was whatever. It was kind of a tame Friday night dinner fight. But I did really like the confrontation that Rory and Laurel I had about Jess. Yeah. And then their resolution, I thought, was also very nice. Mm -hmm. And the Kirk thing was very funny. The Emily and Richard jokes were very funny. Mm -hmm. I think it's very funny that Jess got the script for this episode and it just says, make out with girl, put hands in pockets. (laughs) No lines. And Dean's script just said, lose 100 pounds. (laughs) 
Maybe Dean is just a figment of Rory's imagination, and the less she thinks of him, the less he exists, and eventually he'll just disappear. Yeah. And I did kind of like the Paris stuff. I mean, she was psychotic Paris, but it's cute that her and Rory are, like, close now. The psychotic Paris in this one was totally fine. I don't mind, like, crazy, anxious Paris. Mm -hmm. It's when she's demanding and bossy. Yeah, like mean. Yeah, like mean bossy. Not just sort of, like, commanding, but just, like, kind of cruelly bossing. I'm like, I don't like that because I don't believe anyone would be friends with her. Okay. Then I think I have hopes for you with Paris. I know there are moments again where she's, like, mean to people. It was just, and and I think I may be able to deal with it. It's just when it's, like, every episode, like, her haranguing every single person. It's like, especially Rory. It's like, Rory's your friend, man. Like, what are you doing? Some specific moments that I'm thinking of, she's mean to strangers or to people that deserve it when she's, like, defending Rory or something. Yeah. I do think a lot of her character is just, like, her own shit because she's, you know. Right. So what did you think, Brian? Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I thought it was a good episode. I liked the ending with her just breaking down in front of Luke. Mm -hmm. I thought that was well done. Yeah, that was well done. So, Brian, which episode do you think was better? Oof, you know, I'm really struggling with this one. It is hard. I have um, not decided yet. Because I liked both. Both weren't, like, the amazing episodes, but both were good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I really am struggling. Ugh, I don't know. Mm. Buffy? No. I think Gilmore by a hair? Okay, that- I'll go Buffy by a hair then. Okay. I think I honestly was going to say Buffy. Then when you said that thing about that Luke scene, I was like, maybe it's Gilmore. Yeah. Let's just do that. Okay. Because then it's kind of a tie. Yeah. I think it's really close, it's and really it's hard close. to say, but I, I did like both. I Neither liked... were perfect. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I was just, like, really captivated by Buffy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They had funny jokes, and I don't know. Seeing her in, like, a different place was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Dealing with stuff on her own. Yeah, Gilmore Girls did have some, like, good scenes and revelations. Are we happy with that? Yeah. Okay. We did a swap. That doesn't happen very often. That is rare. But I think it's, it's, it's the right call. Yeah. We both like each other's shows quite a bit. This is very fun, Brian. I'm glad we're doing this. Me too. I'm having fun watching these shows with you. And I'm really glad we're not watching Charmed. Yeah. That's been the best part. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 2, Haunted Leg. What the hell? I don't honestly know. Is it Angel? Is he crossing over to crossover episodes? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a crossover crossover. We'll also be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 3, Episode 2, Dead Man's Party. I just saw someone today quote a joke from that episode. Is uh, that Angel? Is he the dead man? Is it his party? Yeah, he is a party. He's really having a good time in the afterlife. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, who wore the nighty butter? What do you think about that Oz not telling Will he was going to go back to school? That's like a fight, right? I mean, I feel like you'd have a fight with your significant other. Do you remember having hands in your pockets? What's happening to Dean, guys? Does he have like some sort of like parasite inside of his stomach? Does he have a tapeworm? I think he gets big again. Yeah, eventually the tapeworm dies. Who do you side with in the Suki Jackson wildlife living room fight? Do you think Sunnydale's going to have fewer mysterious deaths this year? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at Reviews at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review on Apple podcast if you do we'll give you a shout out on our podcast we gotta go let the cat out of the bedroom he's knocking on the door these are all euphemisms and real but also euphemisms <laughs> no the cat literally is like let me out i'm hungry yeah i mean we're not like abandoning him it's not time for him to eat he's being dramatic just so you don't call PETA on us or anything yeah we gotta go let's go eat the cat Bye.